Talk Recorded live. Welcome to the Continuous Delivery Podcast by SIA Technologies. My name is Faraz Syed, and I'll be your host for the next 30 minutes. Today, I would like to welcome one of my colleagues, Dan Rice, from Agile Central Business Unit as our guest. Dan has been working with enterprise customers across various industries and helping them in their journey for the Agile transformation. Hello, Dan. Welcome to the the Continuous Delivery Podcast. I know you've been traveling across the country and helping our customers through their agile journey and transforming the way they think of software development or even the way these organizations run their business day to day. Can you help me understand the scope of agile transformation that these enterprise organizations are looking for? Yeah, Faraz, great. That's a great question. You know, I, I see so many times talking to our customers and uh, companies that we're talking to across the country that we, we come in to talk about Agile or they'll ask us, hey, we, we want to learn about uh, Agile. We want to take our Agile uh, processes and expertise to the next level. Talk to us about that. And so, so so many times when we ask questions about uh, you know what they consider Agile to be, most of the time they start to talk to us about their teams. They talk, they talk to us about uh, the role that uh, people play on the teams. They talk to us about their product owners, their scrum masters, their their developers, their testers, maybe they start talking to us about uh, you know, DevOps or continuous delivery tooling that they've got in place. And all of those conversations and those topics are great things to talk about as kind of a foundation or a starting point for Agile because what they're all talking about is really how do they build software the right way? How do they put the right quality into software? How do they ensure that they've got all of the requirements or user stories, as you would call them, in an Agile uh, environment? But, but often they're not talking about the real problems that exist in their organization that Agile can solve. And so, so many times we'll take the conversation beyond the team level and we'll begin to talk about uh, how work flows to those teams. You know, do you have initiatives that span multiple teams and do those teams uh, rely on shared resources from other parts of the organization? And, and how do you pull those other uh, dependencies and other dependent teams into the conversations that you have with those teams. And so, so we start to expand the view of what Agile transformation is. It's, it's not just what happens uh, at the team level, it's what happens uh, at the initiative level and teams of teams and how we coordinate and work across those teams, how information flows to those teams. And then we even take it up a notch and we start talking about, uh, you know, how do you plan the intake? You know, how do you, how do you plan for the capacity, the supply and demand conversations with your with your organization? I mean, are you doing things like resource management? And uh, are you really pulling and prioritizing a single backlog of work that feeds your entire organization? Or do you have multiple business units with multiple priorities, uh, multiple product managers or, or multiple projects, all with different priorities? And there's really not a single uh, number one priority, number two, number three. Sometimes there's more of a one, a one, one, a one, two, a one, three, two, one, two, two, et cetera. And so we start to have conversations around how they do portfolio management in, manage, in an agile way. In other words, how do they take those large initiatives and how do they break those things down into maybe feature level uh, conversations and components that then can be built by multiple teams that are the highest value features for that organization, but that carry the least technical cost to implement them. So we start having conversations around portfolio management in an agile way as well. And so we try, we try to connect the dots between what happens at the portfolio level 
really what happens at what we call the program level or that team of teams level, who are all the folks that are involved in those levels, and, and how do we run that whole system in an agile way as opposed to just talking about how do we run the teams. Does that make sense? Yep, absolutely. I mean, that sounds very much like what the uh, scale agile framework uh, looks like, right? Where you have the portfolio yeah. level, you've got the program, and then, then you've got the team level. So when you talk to the executives, I mean, what's, what's, uh, what's your strategy? How do you uh, get the executives on board with the agile transformation uh, within their organization? I'm assuming that that happens on a team level as well as on an enterprise and program level. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what the strategy is? Um, you know, and some of the common thing, themes that you come across? Yeah, that, that's a great question because I find a lot of times those same organizations that are doing Agile at the team level, they're trying to engage their executives. I mean, they, these teams really crave the connection of strategy to execution. And, and we know that that strategy is driven by those stakeholders, by those executives, and they have the vision for where the ship is steering and, and how to get where they want to go. Um, but we find that many times those teams are executing and they're kind of in a vacuum. They're disconnected from the strategy. So, uh, and then so they, they try to bridge that gap uh, by, you know, filling in with project managers, with project schedules, with work breakdown structures. Um, they, they try to do that by having conversations with those executives. But oftentimes when they have those conversations, they're talking about things that make sense at the Agile team level, things like, user stories and, and backlog refinement and uh, demos and retrospectives. And, and they're trying to get the executives excited about Agile by talking about what's happening at the team level. And, and what we encourage our customers is that, you know, while that's great, what often that yields is more of a checkbook commitment by our executives. In other words, their conversation is to, their response to that is typically, you know what, we don't care how you do it. Uh, we just want these features delivered. So go off and do your thing and then come back and let us know when that work is done. And, and really, that's not the most effective way to work. So if we start talking to our stakeholders and our executives from the perspective of things that they care about. So, so, so let's think, what do they care about? So they probably care about things like uh, time to market. Uh, you know, how quickly can we get a business feature? They, they, they talk about the context of business features. Are a, are a fractal, really, of a user story. So we can think of a feature, a business feature is really a collection of user stories. So we'll take that business feature and we'll, we'll refine it uh, into a series of user stories that our teams can then go and implement and create that business feature. So we need to talk to our executives in terms of business features and the business value uh, and the return on investment that those business features are going to drive. Um, you know, we, we need to talk about of predictability, and we need to be predictable. So we need to follow frameworks like the Scaled Azure framework or, or other scaling frameworks where we have conversations around uh, commitment. In other words, we commit to a certain amount of work in a certain time frame, and because we've got solid planning processes and capacity processes in place, we can actually predict and, and be fairly accurate, uh, probably 90 to 95% accuracy, of the number of business features we're going to deliver in a given, to use a safe terminology, in a given program increment, okay? So a, a release time box, we might call it in some other scaling frameworks. We want to talk to them about things like throughput. And so, um, you know, how, yeah, certainly how many features we can get through, but uh, we also want to look at things like how long does it take from, from the time and idea, let's, let's talk about responsiveness for a second. So from the time an idea 
comes up and there's, there's vision for something and there's some kind of high-level business case that's defined for an idea, how quickly can we actually get to the outcome or the uh, getting that feature in the customer's hands so that they can begin to benefit from it and our company can begin to see a return on investment of, of what they've invested to get that uh, to bring that feature to market. So, so let's talk about things like responsiveness, predictability, the throughput, um, the time to market. Let's talk about the quality of the whole. So, so our executives spend a lot of money and, and, and time to communicate the message of the products that, and the features that we're delivering to their customers, um, and then they get a they get a, a new feature in their mobile app, and a customer presses a button and the app crashes or some other uh, experience happens that's, that's not what the customer would expect. Um, we want to talk to them about how we can incorporate that feedback. Well, number one, we want to fix the quality problems as early in the life cycle as we can. And we do that by following these scaling frameworks and we learn how to work together uh, applying some of these continuous delivery processes so we can sniff out those quality issues sooner. But we want to talk to our executives about how we're going to produce quality business features that uh, have a significant impact on our bottom line, that we, we get a significant return on investment from, and let's talk in those terms that they understand. So from the consumer pr perspective, it's, uh, you know, how do I get things uh, faster, better, and cheaper, right? You kind of take those KPIs, and that's really what the agile transformation uh, journey looks like from the enterprise side, from, from the software development perspective. Now, you talked a little bit about the, the strategy of it, right, where we talked a lot about, you know, quality, we talked about throughput, we talked about time to market. All that really requires a major paradigm shift, if you think about it. It, it requires uh, people to do things differently than how they have done uh, traditionally. So, how do you take this strategy and and then convert that into an execution uh, across the enterprise? What are some of the challenges? I mean, I think people problem would be the first one because you have to change the mindset itself. Um, so, what's your what's your thought around the execution of this? Yeah, that's a, that's another great question because if you think about that uh, that three level model that we were talking about earlier, that portfolio program and that team level. Really, that gap in the middle in that program layer is typically the piece that we've got to shore up to connect the strategy to the execution. You know, we've got great vision, and we've got great initiatives and high-level business cases, and we've got funding. Uh, we've got teams that are capable of building these solutions very quickly. But we typically see these things traditionally to try to you know, shift away. We thought you talked about that, that shift in the process. That's exactly right. You know, typically organizations will take those big initiatives, they'll break them down into projects, they'll assign those projects to a project manager who will then uh, consult a couple of leads and put together some kind of a, a work breakdown structure, a project plan with all of these dependencies. Uh, then once they've got all of that in place and all of the dates refined, uh, when they know really the least about the effort, they'll then get a team assigned to them because that, that organization will typically use a resource management approach to um, find out when certain folks are available and assign them to that project. And then many months later, that team will actually get that large document, that business requirements document, or whatever they might call it, and they'll try to begin to iterate or you know, work through that to, to build a solution. And, and all of that, if you talk about our conversation earlier, what we were really describing is a lot of lean concepts. And, and we take a lot of Agile from the lean manufacturing practices that started 
you know, many years ago. And, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, all these handoffs that happen from, from our stakeholders to our product managers to our project managers to our teams uh, to these leads. And so every time there's a handoff, there's, there's an amount of waste that's introduced, and there's typically uh, a disconnect, and there's uh, continuity that's lost in that process. And so essentially what we want to be able to do to do this effectively is bring all of those voices into the conversation at the same time. And, and by that, there's certainly a certain amount of prep work or pre-work that has to happen with these larger initiatives to refine them down into uh, business features that we can talk to our stakeholders about and also talk to the teams about. Um, and then let the teams have the opportunity to take those business features and craft the, the user stories along with somebody called a product owner, we would call it in the, in the Agile uh, way of working, and, and have the teams define those business features in terms of user stories. But let's, let's do this. Let's bring all the voices into the room. Now, at, at CA, we teach a process that we call big room planning. And so big, big room planning is a process that takes quite a bit of upfront work to, uh, to kind of refine those initiatives down into, into feature backlogs. Uh, we're going to look at the technologies that are necessary in order to bring those features to market. We're going to look at the, the skill sets that are required to implement those technologies. And then we're going to flow those initiatives or those features to the teams that have the capabilities to build those solutions. And we're going to do that in a way where we bring all of those roles into the same room, uh, this big room planning process, without getting into a lot of detail, it's, it's a couple of days a pretty intense planning that happens, and we're typically coming out of there with a plan for what uh, a team of teams of maybe you know eight to ten, twelve teams, maybe a hundred ish to one hundred and fifty people, somewhere in that range, are getting together because those are all the people that are involved in bringing those features to market anyway. But typically, what's happened is a project manager has coordinated all the dependencies with all of those moving parts. And, and while they mean well and while those processes uh, have been around for many years, we find that there's a lot of risks and dependencies and uh, other scheduling issues, resource constraints that are not taken into account when those plans are built. And so there's a lot of missed delivery opportunities. So this big room planning process brings all those voices into a room, all of the roles that are necessary to bring that feature to market, and we have a detailed conversation and we come up with a plan for what do the next four to six iterations look like that would build some number of features that those teams then have capacity to build, but we use that process to connect the strategy. And, and, and by the way, those executives are in the room for that two days as well, at least parts of those two days, to make sure that, that they communicate the vision and that product management's represented so that they can carry the vision throughout the two days to ensure that the plan that the teams come up with uh, matches the, the, the strategy and the vision, and that we walk out of there in, at the end of day two with a, with a firm commitment by all of those teams uh, of what exactly we can build over that next four to six iterations. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. You uh, you know you're talking about uh, bringing all the voices in the room, I and mean, I think um, you know from big room planning perspective, and I've I've, uh, I've been part of uh, several uh, big room planning sessions uh, recently, not related to software development, but uh, related to our running our business uh, quarterly business planning. And I I got to tell you, uh, it's a very very effective way of bringing everyone together and uh, coming up with the vision. Um, 
the challenge that sometimes I see with it is, is you have these action items that come, come out, right? What we call the backlog uh, in, in a software um, agile terminology. So, you know, how do you really prioritize that? I mean, is that, that something happens, you know, in the big room planning, or is it something that happens afterwards? How do you prioritize um, the work that goes in the, in the backlog? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so there absolutely is a priority, and typically that priority is set, at least an initial priority is set prior to big room planning. And so, uh, we'll sit, so the folks that are working to prepare the, what we'll call the feature backlog that drives that two-day event, uh, we'll we'll have conversations with the product management teams, with the uh, you know with the leaders at the program level, with with the with the architects, the enterprise architects, the folks that are involved in making the decisions around the priority. So we'll have them all come in a room, and we'll, we'll be in agreement, driven probably by the priority of those things at the initiative level, because uh, that initiative priority should then cascade to the the features that come out of that process. Uh, you know, we'll have a, a set priority that's driven by that initiative priority, and we'll bring that priority into the room for the teams to then take the, the, the next largest feature, the, the most, you know, the, the highest value, the least cost feature, which would be at the top of that, that backlog, and, you know, they would, they would evaluate that. They would do some work to start to refine that, but then there may be some constraints that that come up that we need to address as we begin to refine that feature. So as we begin to build out the user stories that are uh, part of bringing that feature to life, you know, we may find some technology constraints or some skill constraints, uh, various other constraints that prevent us from aligning the stories to the earliest parts of that of those iterations as part of that uh, that plan over the next four to six iterations. Because let's keep in mind that uh, sometimes what folks call agile, and this is a big sticking point we have these conversations with customers, sometimes when we plan out four to six iterations, what a customer thinks they mean, that we mean by that is, okay, we're going to plan work for the next four to six iterations, and at the end of uh, iteration six, or really at the end of the quarter, we're going to release all this stuff into, into production into the hands of our customers. Uh, and that's not what we intend to happen at all. It's not what we mean. In other words, we want to decouple the delivery of the value from the planning horizon or, or that release time box, as we call it, uh, of when we've planned that work. So just because we've said, hey, all of this work will get done during this quarter, uh, doesn't mean we're going to wait to the end of the quarter to release it all. We would really want to release on demand and release as many times as we can. So as soon as things are finished, we want them to get in the hands of the customer. So uh, priority comes in, uh, constraints are worked through. If priority adjustments happen during that two-day event, they're all, they always happen in the context of the product manager that owns those business features. So we want to have a conversation with that person around the constraints or those persons around the constraints, and we want to come to an agreement that we need to change the priorities a bit. And so. In, in that particular ceremony, the big room planning ceremony, at the end of day one, uh, there's actually, and again, that two days is very prescriptive. We're not getting into the details now, but there's a very prescriptive process that we follow for that. At the end of day one, there's a, a part of that ceremony where the product management team looks at the, at the uh, plan that's been created so far, and they look at the list of prioritized features that were brought into the room, and they decide if they need to make any priority shifts or adjustments 
based on where they see the plan going. Because if they there's a certain feature uh, that they're going, well, we're not going to get to that one. I didn't think we were not going to get to that, but obviously we're not going to get there. So we need to, uh, maybe we need to shift the priorities around a little bit. And so when we come back in the morning of day two, if there's any uh, shifts in priorities, we need to communicate that to the team so that they can plan for that. Um, I've seen this happen many times where we thought we had more capacity than we did, but as we started to refine those features, we realized they were bigger than we thought they were. And so we have to make shifts and changes in priority to, to make those happen. So does that make sense? Yeah, so I mean, something that stands out, uh, Dan, you talked about uh, constraint, right? And I mean, I can think of uh, so many different kinds of uh, constraints. Um, one of the things I always wondered, um, how these teams where you have, uh, you know, in different time zones and different continents um, work together? Because if, when you talk about Agile, you have daily stand-up, uh, there's a close uh, collaboration. Um, I always wondered, you know, how do you uh, incorporate that factor of, of different time zones and, and offshore uh, teams working together? What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a good one, and that's, a, that's sometimes a sticky conversation. Uh, the thing that I think, Faraz, we would recommend to our customers is if you are going to offshore uh, folks as part of your, your Agile transformation or in any of your software development processes, the encouragement would be that you offshore the entire team. So let's not just off let's not just offshore the QA role or uh, the development role. Let, let's offshore the entire team and let's put them all in one location so they can be they can all be face to face. Certainly, we're going to have to coordinate then dependencies across time zones with those teams. But what we don't want to do is we have to wait until tonight for QA to test things that we built earlier in the day because again that that just introduced delay that introduced waste. Um, Instead, we want to push those entire feature sets to those teams in that other location, have them continue on and build. Uh, you know, when the sun sets on this side of the world, it's up over there. And so they can, uh, they can build those things as well. Uh, when it comes to things like big room planning and how do we coordinate, how do we coordinate these folks that are on the other side of the world, we, we might have to get creative and use technology. So we're probably not going to ask those folks to fly to the other side of the world to get everybody in the same room to have a conversation around what we're going to build in the next quarter, uh, but we're going to make sure that we use technology. So we may have to adjust the schedule a little bit to compensate for that for another time zone. We may maybe start later on day one and finish later in the evening, or uh, maybe one one quarter we do the planning. We have them work on our time zone, and the next uh, the next planning we work on their time zone, and so we share that burden uh, and, and we respect the individual to ensure that we. Uh, are effective with our with our time, uh, but many times we can use video technology, audio technology to uh, have their bring their voice into the room, even though they might be on the other side of the world. And I think video technology is really important because uh, there, there's something about connecting face to face with somebody, even if you're through a camera. Um, there's a lot of value and, and trust that that builds uh, by knowing that you're all aligned and working on the same thing. So. So two key points, I think. One is if you're going to do offshoring, offshore the entire team, uh, and then you're going to have to coordinate those dependencies. I mean, there, there are some folks that have the conversation that, well, we have to offshore. And, and then we even had conversations with some customers to say, you know, if you can avoid it, avoid it. And they say, well, it's much less expensive to, uh, to have offshore resources. And when you really start to look at the numbers and calculate the math of the delays that exist, 
uh, with the quality issues that sometimes come up from the disconnects in communication and the disconnects with uh, quality styles and various other aspects, which we don't dig into the details right now. Um, offshoring is not as inexpensive as, as folks really think it is. And so if you take a hard look at some of the numbers, uh, you might decide to pull some of that stuff back onshore and, uh, and find that you're much more efficient and you actually save money in the process and you deliver more value in less time with higher quality and all those things that Agile promises. Yeah, I mean, I can see a lot of intangible cost um, that we don't see that can uh, that can come across. So, love the conversation, Dan. Um, you know, uh, I would love to continue this and talk a little bit about uh, agile teams and continuous delivery and your perspective around that. Let's do that in our next podcast that we're going to record. Um, I appreciate you coming on board here, and uh, look forward to our conversation in the future, um, folks. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Feel free to reach out to my Twitter, which is F-U-Z-Z, Syed. F-U-Z-Z, Syed, Fuzz Syed. Thank you.